I believe that God wants to continually work in our lives. You believe that? Okay, that's a good foundation then for this conversation. I believe that a lot of times what God wants to do in our lives will only be possible when we yield to Him. That in some ways when we talk about the conversation of transformation in our lives, we recognize God wants to do it and we recognize He has the power to do it. But we also recognize He responds to people who are saying, God, I want you to do this in my life. He responds to people who are humbly coming to Him and asking Him to work. So today, I want you to pray, maybe a little bit different than usual. I want you to pray right now that the Holy Spirit would highlight the areas in your life He wants to work in today. What is it in me, God, that you want to change and transform? Would you pray that with me today? Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. And as we break it open today, I pray, O oh God, that it be life-giving. And that, Holy Spirit, you would take it much further than I could ever do it on my own. We need you in these moments. We need you every day. So we invite you, Jesus, to have your way in our hearts right now. Look in us. Search us, Lord. And may we continually grow to be more like you, Jesus. Thank you for your work in these moments, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I've been reflecting for quite some time now on the beauty of relationship with God. You know, it's a beautiful thing just to initially realize that God loved us enough to bring us even into relationship with Him. The fact that we had nothing to offer, the fact that we were sinful humanity with much evidence of that sinfulness and rebellion towards God, the fact that God in His love for us would give His only Son to die so that we could have a relationship and be forgiven of sin, the fact that He would just let us come into the family is a beautiful thing. Just to be a child of God is a beautiful thing. What's even more beautiful or as beautiful is the fact that when we come into relationship with God, it's not just coming into relationship with God in that moment of salvation, but that's the beginning point. That's kind of the starting line of the race, if you will. We are starting this race out with Jesus. There's a reason why we're encouraged in Scripture to run that race with perseverance, to run that race faithfully with our eyes fixed on Jesus, to keep running. Uh, if you have ever ran a marathon, then you understand there are challenges along the way in a race. You can grow hungry. You can grow weaker. You can begin to have cramps in your legs. You can struggle with the inclines as you go throughout all the different miles that you're running. That's why I don't run, truthfully, as if I needed another reason. I don't like to run. In fact, I'll tell you that if you see me running, you should run too. Because I have already made up my mind that I can't take whatever is chasing me. So you'll know you should run. But you understand that, that this is a race. It's a marathon in this relationship with Jesus. And it's not just how we start. I, I want people to be saved. I want people to confess Jesus as Savior and Lord of their life. I want people to have that initial moment with God, if you will. But I want us to go on to what God has for us. 
This is if we can simply call it a journey with Jesus, an ongoing relationship with God. It's not just a one-time moment. It's the fact that we can continue to live with Him and be transformed and be changed to be more like Christ. You know, what's really beautiful is the fact that when God welcomes us into His family, He knows what all is really wrong with us. I mean, really. To, to be able to look at us, no one understands us like God does. To know just how much is in us, just how much junk there is cluttering the places of our heart and mind, and yet He still invites us. I think about an onion. If you've ever cooked with an onion, I've shared this before, if you've ever cooked with an onion, you know there are layers to the onion, and when you go to cut that onion and peel those layers apart, there's a lot of smell going on in the room, and you begin to weep uncontrollably, not knowing why you're crying. It's, it's similar in that relationship with God. He knows the entire onion before He even welcomed us into His family. And yet, knowing that we've got all these layers that need to be peeled back, and knowing that we've got all these things that really need to change to be more like Jesus, He still welcomes us into His family. And He wants to go on to continue to transform our lives. I'll start in our selected scriptures today. I'll start in Romans chapter 12, familiar verses in verses 1 and 2. Paul wrote, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of everything that He's done, in gratitude for all the grace and all the mercy and all the love and all the compassion that you've been shown, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We're reminded again here just briefly that worship is about how we live our lives, not just singing in one moment in a service. We're told by the Apostle Paul, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't think like the world. Don't get caught up in the behaviors of this world. Don't live the pattern of life the way this world does, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I want to zoom in for a moment on that word transformed. The Greek word there is where we get our English word metamorphosis. If you think of a metamorphosis, you understand this idea of a larvae or a caterpillar transforming into a butterfly. And if you study it, without getting into all the science this morning, if you study it, it takes about four weeks for this process to happen in that cocoon. And what you may not know about a larvae or a caterpillar is they have cells that are pre-wired in their makeup, in their DNA, that only become activated in that cocoon, in that moment of transformation, to then cause them to be able to come out to being a butterfly. In fact, those cells are specifically uh, related to the fact, giving the ability that, that that transformation can include growing wings to fly. When you study the word transformation or transformed, you begin to realize that it is a change that happens after you are with someone or something. So in the understanding of following Jesus, we understand that we are transformed or changed as we are with Jesus. As we're on this journey with Him, as we're seeking Him, as we're listening to Him, as we're hearing from Him and learning from Him, we are being transformed from the inside out. 
It's not just making a list of things that Christians should do this and not do this. It's not just putting the things on the mirror or on the fridge to remind us of what we should do and not do. It's that our heart and our mind, there was an inward transformation that is taking place as we journey with Jesus. And the things that happen on the outside then become byproducts or the fruit of what God is doing inwardly. Transformation. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, Paul says it this way. He says that we are God's masterpiece. I don't know about you, but there's plenty of days I don't feel so much like a masterpiece. I feel more like a master mess. I'm like Humpty Dumpty. I fell off the wall and I'm a million pieces and nobody's there to help pick me up. I mean, I've got issues. I've got problems. But Paul says we are God's masterpiece created anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I get this imagery and I'm sure Mark Bell could help me today, this painter who paints until it's just right. Mark, I envy you because you've got skill sets I don't have. I'm bothered by those people that can just steady hand trim in everything, painting, and not even have to have an edge or tape the wall down. None of that. They're not worried about anything bleeding over. They can just do it. Congratulations. That painter that paints until it's just right, or that sculptor that sculpts until it's just right, or the biblical illustration that we have of transformation in our lives, that potter who molds the clay. And how often does that potter find places in the clay and realize, wait a minute, I'm not sure I can just fix this in its current form, so I'm going to take it back down and build it back the way it needs to be. That's what's happening in our lives. And it's so beautiful that God promises to and has the power to transform our lives to look and live more like Jesus. It's amazing that He can take an ash heap like you and I and truly bring beauty from things that are so ugly. From a heart that's black and stained with sin to a heart that loves God and wants to do what is right. We're not just talking about initial salvation, but we're talking about this ongoing work of Jesus in us. And then, if we want to go even one step further, it's the beautiful reality that relationship with God can also include Him working through us to even help someone else. That He takes my black heart, He washes it clean, and then He helps use us to inspire someone else to know the beauty of relationship with God, and then their heart can be washed and clean as well, and them to live a different life. I thank God for His mercy and His grace, and His compassion, that He knows who we are, and He knows our issues, and He still welcomes us to the table, and He still transforms our lives, and then even uses us to inspire other people to follow Jesus too. Here's what I've found about transformation, truly about salvation and transformation. Salvation and transformation do not just happen in our lives. We're not just born and automatically this thing just starts happening in us. If salvation and transformation were default, we wouldn't have a world that is so full of the evidence of sin. God will transform and save and save and transform and do all sorts of things in our lives if we welcome Him to do it. 
So I would challenge us today that while God wants to transform our lives, and while God has the power to transform our lives, that you and I have a responsibility in our lives for that transformation to happen. What is that responsibility on our part? If you're taking notes today, number one, I would suggest that our role in transformation is awareness and ongoing surrender. Awareness and ongoing surrender. The psalmist said in Psalm 139, the chapter is all about God forming a child in his mother's womb and all about the plans and purposes of God in his life and that were fearfully and wonderfully made. And then he wraps up, he's saying all of that to say that God knows every detail, the ins and outs of every person's life. And he gets to the end of the chapter, verse 23, and he says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. God, search me. I'm going to lay myself on the examination table. I'm going to invite you to look at me. I'm going to invite you to search me. I'm going to invite you to reveal in my life what's not aligning with the Word of God and with your desires for me. It's kind of that proactive approach that we're supposed to take. I don't know how many of us actually take it, but we're supposed to take this proactive approach of having a checkup every year, medically. The whole idea there is not that something's wrong. The whole idea there is not that there's pain or any evidence in our bodies that something is jacked up. But we're supposed to go and say, doctor, go ahead and examine me. Let's go ahead and have this to take a proactive approach. That way, if there is something going on in me, we will know about it quicker. It's the same approach with God in many ways. We're praying daily, Lord, search me and know me. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. God, I daily want to put myself on that examination table so that the Holy Spirit can search me and reveal and remove, reveal and remove, reveal and remove the things in my life that do not align with what God wants. Is it painful? Yeah, sometimes. Does it mean change? Yeah, absolutely. But God loves us so much that He doesn't leave us the same. I think this can become a daily ongoing prayer. Search me and test me. Know who I am. Know what's going on in me. Reveal it and change me. I know we don't use maybe the same terminology as some of our friends do, but I think in some ways this can be a daily proactive confession. God, search me. What's going on in me? What's going on in my heart? It's not even just in prayer, but it's also in Scripture. Scripture becomes for us a mirror that we're looking into to say, does my life align with what the Word of God says it should be? And so when we're going in to read Scripture, we're not just going in to read it. Well, Pastor Chris, then what are we doing? (laughs) We're not just going in to read it. We're actually going into Scripture to listen for what God would say to us. We're going into Scripture not just to check it off, not just to get it done, not just to say we read the pages. We're not going in to just academically ascend to the knowledge of the Word, but we're, we're wanting our hearts to engage to the application of the Word of God. So we're listening for the Lord to say, hey, this is what I want to work on in your life. This is what I want to change in your life. This is where I'm transforming you. This is where I'm healing you. This is where I'm leading you. When we walk in that humility 
And we say we don't want anything sinful in our lives and we don't want anything that offends or goes against God's desires for our lives. We want to serve Him because we love Him. When we come in that way of humility and readily acknowledge that we are still growing, God will respond and continue to change us. Our default is not righteousness. Say that again. Our default, our... Our lean, if you will, as humanity is not righteousness. We, we don't just always do the right thing by second nature or even first nature. In fact, sometimes I would say we tend to lean towards the human side of things and do the wrong things. But we love Jesus and we're still a work in progress. So we're praying like the psalmist in Psalm 19, verse 12. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. Maybe you know this next part. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's this ongoing surrender. God, I recognize that if I'm left to my own self, God, I recognize if I'm left to my own way of life, I'm not going to get this right. But I'm coming to you in humility, thankful for the fact that you even welcomed me into your family to begin with, and asking you, Lord, that in your ongoing grace and mercy, would you keep working on me? Would you keep changing me? And when we come with that humility and that ongoing surrender, it brings an empowerment in our lives to live differently. Listen, I know there are people out there who have a ton of willpower, and I understand we have to, we have to take some action our steps and we, ourselves, and we should be intentional. You don't put yourself in situations that you know are going to cause harm or that are going to lead you towards sin. There are certain things we should do. I understand all of that. I also understand that in our own selves, we don't have the power to resist all of those things. We're all going to be tempted in some kind of different ways. We need the empowerment that comes only from God to live a different life. And when we come in humility before God, we will be empowered to live a different way. That awareness and ongoing surrender leads to the help that we need. So we need to be continually praying for that awareness before God, and we need to be on in, living in ongoing surrender so that He can change us and mold us. Secondly, what is, our, what is our responsibility in transformation? Well, secondly, after we've experienced the, the awareness and we're living in ongoing surrender, we need to take some ownership. What do I mean? When we, when we realize there's something in our lives that isn't right, when we recognize there's something in our lives that isn't holy or that we're not able to handle on our own. So we could be talking about a variety of different things here. We could be talking about hurts that we can't seem to overcome. We can be talking about habits. We can be talking about hang-ups. We can even be talking about just recognizing that we have weakness in our lives that we can't accomplish everything that needs to be accomplished in our own abilities. When we recognize that something isn't right or that we're limited, we need to own it in our lives. We need to admit that there's some area in our life that is not aligning with God. I I think it's the old saying that um, the first step to solving a problem is admitting there is one. 
So for us to grow, we are coming to that place of owning we still need to grow. We're coming to that place of saying there are things in my life that still need to change. Let me, let me show you an example of ownership or maybe the lack thereof. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve at the fall of man, the initial rebellion against God, they go against God and rebel and eat the fruit of the tree that he told them to leave alone. And God called to the man, where are you? And the man replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And the man replied, notice this, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Ladies, I apologize because we men have been blaming y'all for problems for years. That ain't your problem. Easy. Don't shout too loud on the front row. Then the Lord God asked the woman, wait a minute, what have you done? And notice what she says, well, the serpent deceived me. That's why I ate it. It's the snake's fault. We tend to blame shift, don't we? I think it's a problem in our hearts and a problem in our culture. The things that we do are always someone else's fault. Well, the only reason I did this was because they did that. I wouldn't have done that. And we can begin to create justification for the reasons we act and react. Uh, there's, uh, I don't listen to country music, I'll, I'll admit that to you, and, and I'll go on record saying that I don't think the music today is any worse than the music that's always been. It's always been about cheating on somebody and drinking and losing your dog and driving your pickup truck somewhere in the woods and all those things. But I don't, I don't listen to country music. If you play it backwards, you get your dog back and your house back and your truck back and your spouse comes home and you're sober again. I don't listen to country music. But years ago, there was a song, and I heard someone reference it one day, so I had to look up the lyrics. And the whole song is about the fact that nothing's my fault. The songwriter said, it ain't my fault. I might have had a lot of fun, a lot of wrong got done, but it ain't my fault. God wants to transform us to the point that we can act rather than react That we can be a people who are so full of the Holy Spirit and led by the fruit of the Spirit being evident in our lives that it would be what shows in us even when we're squeezed, even when we're pressured, even when someone else may say or do something to us that we're not moved from our spot. God wants to transform us to the point that we can act rather than react, that the fruit of the Spirit is evident in our lives even in the midst of what other people may do. We need to own that sometimes our motives and our attitudes and our responses aren't right, no matter what someone else did to us. We don't have a right to act like the devil just because someone else did. Reaction to things that happen to us shows immaturity on our parts and we can grow in that area in our lives. We want to grow to be Christ-like. Well, when we consider what Jesus did, Jesus was often quiet in the face of even his enemies. Jesus prayed for his enemies and even instructed us to do the same thing. 
Jesus hung on the cross even when people wanted to kill him and even died for the very people who did kill him and take his life. So we own it. If we thought it, if we acted wrongly, if we said it, it ain't the devil's fault. And it's not everybody else's fault. We did it. We own it. The same is true in weakness. We talk about some of the reactions and the sinfulness, but the same is true in our weakness. We need to own and admit that we don't always have the strength and the wisdom to do it all. We don't always have the strength and the wisdom to figure everything out in our lives. We're limited. We don't have all the answers. And it's okay to admit we're not okay. The great thing about Jesus in relationship with Him is it's not okay to stay that way. We can come to God and say, I'm struggling in this area. Whether it's the things we've just talked about and dealing with different things through life or whether it's just weakness in ourselves. We can come and say, God, I'm, I'm not okay. But Jesus loves us so much, the beauty, that ongoing relationship with Him, He will help us to grow in those things. Even the Apostle Paul, even this guy who God used to write so much of the New Testament, he still had trouble. He still had issues. He still had things that went on. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 4, Paul talks about being caught up into this third heaven and having the revelation of God. He's seen things that, as far as he knew, nobody else had been able to see these things. And he goes, you know, I've got a reason to boast. If, if people want to boast about loving Jesus and all these things, God gave me the opportunity to see all of this revelation and to understand more and more. He said, but I can't boast in that. I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message, even though I've received such wonderful revelations from God. Notice what he says. So to keep me from becoming proud. One of the greatest hindrances to relationship with God in our lives is the issue of pride. To keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My grace is sufficient for you. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and in the hardships and in the persecutions and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Notice what he's saying. This wasn't a, a sin issue, although we all have the issues that we need to continue to bring before the Lord and find freedom in those things. But this was an, an outside attack, an outside struggle, the persecution, the, the pain that went on. I mean, this is the guy who was beaten and left for dead and whipped multiple times. and You name it, he went through it. But he basically comes to the point of telling us God will allow some things to happen in your life to help you to learn that you don't have it all figured out. Because if I gave the option today, and I said, hey, who wants to spend their life on the mountaintop with God or in the valley with God? We'd all pick the mountain, right? That's where the revelation happens. That's where it's great. We're on top of the world. But it's truly in the valley and in the hard moments when we really learn about who God is. 
And when we're really transformed to have greater faith in Him and to learn perseverance in our lives. So when we come to that place of what do I do when this is happening or that has happened? What do I do when I don't have the answers? Paul says, I boast in my weakness. I will run to God and say, God, I'm weak. God, I don't have it all figured out. God, I don't have all the answers. God, I need your wisdom. And when I come to God in that way and humbly admit my weakness, that's when I can experience great strength and power. God always responds to humility. And then lastly, if we're recognizing and having awareness that there are issues and we have ongoing surrender in our lives, a right perspective that says we know we need the Lord and we're, we're owning it, we recognize our, our sinfulness, we recognize our weaknesses... In some cases, it means that we need to come before the Lord, our responsibility to be transformed, to come before the Lord in repentance. Now, repentance is a a different word, perhaps a word that we don't hear as much anymore, but what it means is to not just admit our guilt, but also to turn away from that and wanting to have the help of the Lord to live a different life than that. Think of the prodigal son. He comes home and he says, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. It's I'm acknowledging my guilt and I don't want to live this way anymore. So if we have sin or if we have disobedience towards God or we have unholy thoughts or motives or actions, then we need to repent. God, I've done this and this is not right. Even if somebody else has done something, I've done this and it is not right. If we have weakness, it may need to be that we come to God and say, God, I'm sorry that I've had pride. I've tried to pull up my bootstraps and do this and make it happen. I don't want to show anybody any weakness. I need to come to you, God, and repent that I've tried to be uh, doing all this on my own when in reality I need your help. Here's the beauty of it again. 1 John chapter 1, John writing to believers, If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that His Word has no place in our hearts. Now just to quickly uh, tie a bow on this thought of repentance... If we honestly begin to admit all the things in us from day to day that happen or the thoughts that we can have sometimes or the habits that we can have or whatever the case, if we truly begin to recognize just how how sinful we can be, just how less like Jesus we can be sometimes, it feels like we'd spend all our time repenting. (laughs) Anybody else ever feel that way? Oh, God, I shouldn't have thought that. God, I shouldn't have said that. God, I've had the, some of the most uh, embarrassing, regretted moments in my life, moments where, man, I just wish I'd have reacted to that differently. You ever been there? Just wish I'd have handled that differently. What makes me even more mad at myself is when I know I should handle something differently and I get in another situation just like it, and I still didn't get it right. Anybody else been there? Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not with the super spiritual butter folks in here in the room. All of this that we're talking about is about having the proper attitude and the proper posture before God. It's, it's not that we have to be concerned about walking around easily losing our salvation like we lose a wallet walking down the street. 
It's that we simply have such a desire because of everything He's done for us. We love Him and we want to honor Him. We want to serve Him. We want to live a life that is exactly what Paul described in Romans 12, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable before the Lord. And so we continue to live with that posture, that ongoing attitude before God of saying, God, I want you to continue to work in my life. As the Apostle Paul said in one spot, I haven't yet attained it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I press on. So, I haven't arrived yet. I haven't gotten to the place of perfection yet. I've said before, I wish when we got saved, that was it. We were all perfect and just like Jesus right then. Wouldn't it be easier that way? I mean, where where was I when God was making this thing decided here? I mean, come on. That's not the way it works. It's an ongoing trust. It's an ongoing dependence. It's an ongoing humility. It's an ongoing journey with Jesus where we learn from Him and we listen to Him and we're transformed to be more like Him. And so if we'll keep this humble place before God, He will transform our lives. And that's what I want. I recognize I need to grow. I recognize I'm not the person I always want to be. I'm, I'm kind of like the Apostle Paul at times. The things I ought to do, I don't do them. Or the things that I shouldn't do, those are the things I seem to be doing. He said that himself. So there's a struggle in this flesh that we live in. And I want to grow to live more like Jesus. So if we want to grow to be more like Jesus, then we're coming to him and saying, I am going to continue to live in a place of surrender before you. And if there are things going on in me, I'm going to own it and I'm going to bring it to you, Lord, and I'm going to repent if need be. I'm going to turn away from those things and allow you to continue to work in my life. And I'm not going to dwell there. I'm not going to live there. I'm going to trust exactly what your word says. If, if we will confess these things, you're faithful and just to forgive it so I don't have to live there. You can continue to help me to grow and handle things and do things and talk things and think things differently. I want to be transformed by the Lord. And if that's what you want as well, then we need to come humbly before God and say, God, here's my heart. Here's my life. Would you keep working in me? When I was a kid, we sang a a song, simply said, He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Anybody know that song? It took him just a week to make the moon and stars. The sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. I think that's true of all of us. And so we need to come today with that humble posture before the Lord. And just let him work in us. Would you stand with me today all across the room? If you're online, I'd love for you to give a few moments to interact. Share your thoughts from this message. Maybe interact with each other as well. And... Just give yourself an opportunity, a space in time to respond today. I'm going to ask our prayer team members that are in this service to come and make yourself available on either side of the auditorium. Those prayer team members will be here when we pray an official closing prayer, if you will. They'll be here and they'll still be willing to pray with you, to encourage you, to spend some time with you however need be today. I want to ask you today, what is your response or what does your response need to be? If you heard nothing else of what I've said, I want you to hear what I'm about to say right now. God wants to continue to transform our lives. There is a glorious God 
with a heart of love and compassion and patience with us who desires to continue to change us and mold us and shape us. And I don't know about you, but I want to be that clay on the wheel. I want to be that yielded clay that the potter can shape however he wants to shape. What is your response today? Maybe it's that prayer of awareness and ongoing surrender. Maybe the first thing for you is to pray, Lord, search me, whatever's in me. Maybe you're not recognizing a specific thing right this minute, but maybe you just want to come humbly before Him and say, God, I'm, I'm giving you the space. I'm giving you the opportunity. I want you to speak into my life anything that's not right. I want you to work in me, Lord. I want you to transform my life. Or maybe you're in the spot where you do recognize some things. Maybe you do recognize some of these different descriptions we've given. And it, it may not be uh, that we've nailed it perfectly, but you know. We often know where the areas of struggle are. So maybe today you're coming and you're saying, God, I'm taking ownership. I recognize this particular thing, this particular area in my life is a struggle. This particular area in my life is not what it needs to be. So I'm coming to you. Or maybe that it's the prayer of repentance. You're saying, okay, I've recognized this for a while and I've known something was going on. I've recognized I need to grow in this area and I'm coming and I'm repenting. I'm turning away from it. I'm, I'm saying, God, I don't want to live like this anymore, but I also recognize I need your help in order to live differently. And there is a gracious God who will meet you right at that point of humility. Right at that point of weakness. God is strong and He will meet you and help you. God wants to continue to transform our lives. What needs to be your response today? What, what of that responsibility for transformation do you need to carry out today? Is it, is it the awareness and ongoing surrender? Is it the ownership of the issues in your life? Is it the repentance of turning away from it and coming humbly before God? Are you finding yourself in a place of weakness? where you know you can't do it on your own. You, you're struggling to try to do it on your own. And you need to come to the Lord find the help you need I'm going to pray for you and then I'm going to trust that you will respond in these moments as you need to with the Lord let the Lord work in your life this morning Father thank you so much for your word thank you oh God for your help in our lives and your ongoing transformation thank you Lord that we are blessed to be in your family blessed to be in relationship with you and now, God, help us to keep a proper heart posture. Help us to, to keep a proper attitude before you. One of humility. One of wanting the Holy Spirit to change and shape us. One of wanting, oh Lord, to honor you in all that we do. I pray, oh Lord, today that you work in our hearts as we surrender to you. As we come humbly before you. Would you meet us at the point of our weakness? Would you meet us at the point of our humanity? And would you change us from the inside out? Thank you. Now, Father, I pray that you bless and keep this people. And you make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. May your countenance, your favor, ever be turned in their direction and grant them your peace. Go with us, keep us, and use us for your glory. And may every moment of prayer before you in this moment be blessed by the work of your Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name.